0: The podcast that you're about to hear contains acts of sex and violence. The hosts do not claim to be experts on the subjects that they present. Listener discretion is advised. All right, boys and girls, and welcome back to Brutal Nation. I'm your host, Scott Alexander, right across me is the one of the only... Who the hell are you?
1: Who the hell am I?
0: Dude, weird is the ass- most important
1: f- person f- around.
0: Oh my god. Cheryl, is that you?
1: I'm what me- no. I am what makes this world go round.
0: <laughs> I'm sorry. I gotta get different boots on because the shit's getting pretty deep.
1: <laughs> Put your hip waiters on. <laughs>
0: get a rope, Dammy! the underdog Underwood. Say hi, Tammy. Hi, everybody. This is okay. I'm interested in this one here just because the last name man it cut yeah cut the Grassowski or whatever it is.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's what we'll call him.
0: <laughs> Freaking weird. I can't even pronounce the friggin' name.
1: Yeah. Oh, ready?
0: Right? We're tired. We're
1: tired. <laughs> Are you ready?
0: I'm ready. <laughs> give it to me. Oh, okay. give it to me hard.
1: Stop it. You and I, I can't. Because it's you, so hard. Oh, my God. I hate you.
0: <laughs> is this a is this a stiff story?
1: No, it's not.
0: Are you going to thrust it at me?
1: I'm going to throw it. At, I'm going to throw something at you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's kinky. I like it rough.
1: <laughs> and we're done. <laughs> <laughs> Ask your mom. We just started the episode; and we're finished.
0: I keep so, reading the love note that your mom sent me. Oh, by the way,
1: stop it—the the, one that she handwrote.
0: Yeah, and then the, of course there's a the text messages back and forth with her and I. Oh, I can't wait till she comes out here for vacation.
1: Yeah, whatever. I'm not gonna let her. I'll go out there.
0: Oh, I'll go out there. But I, <laughs> I know, I don't know that's with that. that part. As I believe you, plane, go out there, and I'll have her little date night. Uh, oh Should my god, come mind. back a new woman.
1: It's not gonna. It's not like you can find anything in Batesville. It's like a dry county. So
0: no, I know where Batesville is, but I can drive her. I trust me. I know. I know my areas. <laughs> and I know That hers. sounded
1: so serial killer. I, right? I know
0: her areas too.
1: Mm-mm Oh my God. Okay. (laughs) Now we're moving on. (laughs) (laughs) So every once in a while, you and I have found that when we're researching a certain case, we stumble upon information that leads us to another case. You know, sometimes we might have heard about the case that we come across, but have not yet gotten to research it. Right. However, as is the situation with this case, sometimes we've never heard of the killer that is mentioned, right? That's
0: so, correct. I haven't, I haven't heard of K- Graskowski or whatever his name is. Yeah.
1: So while I was going through information on the Albert Fish case, I stumbled upon Peter Kudzanowski. As it turns out, Peter was once a suspect in a murder that Albert Fish committed. The, um, I believe it was the Gaffney murder. Oh, okay. I'll get to it a little later. But this is not unusual, though. And, you know, the situation is not unusual. As we saw this in the late 70s and early 80s with the freeway killers of Southern California, Patrick Kearney, Randy Kraft, and William Bonnet. They all committed their crimes at the same time in the same area. And for a while there, the police thought it was all the same person.
0: Except Patrick did it with style and class. That's right. Until
1: Patrick said, yeah, no, that's not me. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not that serial killer. So the thing about this case that stood out is the almost complete lack of information available. However, I managed to piece enough of it together to give you an idea of what this case was about. So bear with me as I take you through the events that led to his arrest.
0: Okay, ready? Roar! I
1: didn't mean that bear.
0: I'm bearing with you. (laughs) Okay, growl. Is that better? (laughs) Roar! Roar, I'm a big bear.
1: (laughs) I'm a naughty bear.
0: I'm a naughty polar bear. Stop it! <laughs> Come and spank polar my bear. oh my god! Because <laughs> I'm a polar bear.
1: You know, we, you and I, and those who know you in the joke, cannot say polar bear without doing that.
0: Without doing the hands. Oh, without I know. doing the hands. In it's the air. an awesome joke.
1: <laughs> so. I found out by doing my research that there's actually very little background information on him. I know that we've seen this before, especially around the turn <coughs> of the century. However, it's still frustrating. I did find, um, although some reports indicate that Peter was actually was born in Poland, they claim he was born in Portland, Poland and immigrated here with his parents.
0: Freaking Polak.
1: When he was young. Those, those reports are actually false. Peter was born in Dixon City, Pennsylvania, on August 13th, 1903. No, he's a Leo. Yeah. His parents were Paul and Veronica. His parents, Paul and Veronica, were, were actually Polish immigrants. However, Bullocks. They didn't have Peter, their youngest of four sons, until after they had settled in the Scranton, Pennsylvania area.
0: Mm, yeah, Scranton, they're all polar. Scranton sounds a lot like scrotum, and they named him Peter. I see. I, I, I'm, Scranton,
1: I'm, Pennsylvania, is actually where uh, the Office is based out of the TV yeah, show The Office. I've
0: seen it once or twice.
1: Yeah, my son has seen every episode multiple times. They I feel force sorry me for to him. Watch sometimes. I
0: feel bad for him. That, that yeah, I don't think least, it's uh, that
1: funny because I'm not a big fan of Steve Carell, but I do like the character of Dwight in that show. That is true. <laughs> he, he tries so hard and is so annoying.
0: I like Dwight only the that the, the guy who plays Dwight because mm-hmm. he's actually been in a horror movie that I've seen.
1: Oh yeah, he's he was actually in Charm too. He was in a couple. He's been in a couple of things.
0: Right, and he was in a uh, uh, one where he's a rock uh, drummer, rock drummer. I can't remember what that fucking was called
1: now. Oh, but anyway, wow, I dig Greg.
0: <laughs> but I dig Greg.
1: Now, nothing in Peter's childhood stood out as remarkable until an incident that occurred when he was in the sixth grade, and we've talked about this before. He was swimming at a local pool when he dove into the shallow end and fractured his skull. Oh! This head injury had a significant adverse effect on his behavior from that point forward. In fact, after he kind of like woke up from this incident, you know, from the injury, he wound up dropping out of school because he flat out refused to go back. He was like, nope, I'm done.
0: Okay, yeah. yeah, well, it's a TBI, so. Yeah,
1: since he, since Peter lacked any sort of formal education past the sixth grade, he didn't have any qualifications needed to get a well-paying job. So reports indicate that he did work for, it's called Lackawanna Coal Mine for a short period of time. And after that, he was employed with the Lackawanna Railroad out of Secaucus, I think, New Jersey.
0: See, he should have gone to the zoo. I'll tell you why. He could have gotten a koala bear, and the koala bear always has the right right, koala-fications.
1: That one was kind of funny.
0: (laughs) You're welcome.
1: When it comes to the crimes that Peter committed, the best way to address them is to follow a timeline of the murders. Although, as you will see a little later, his confession didn't follow that timeline. He confessed to the murders out of order. But I'll get to that here in a minute.
0: Oh, so he's related to uh, Henry Lee Lucas. Okay. Yeah,
1: kind of. So anyways, his first victim, Peter's first victim, was his 20-year-old friend, a guy by the name of Harry Quinn. On March 8, 1924, the two friends planned to leave Scranton and go to Springbrook Township, which is approximately 11.5 miles south on Pennsylvania Highway 307. According to the reports, Harry hoped that once they arrived in Springbrook, he would be able to get a job working for the Springbrook Water Supply Company. However, before the two young men left Scranton, Peter was introduced to some of Harry's family members As either Ray Rogers or Roy Lambert, not by his real name. And that was the last time anyone saw or heard from Harry Quinn. At some point along the journey from Scranton to Springbrook Township, Peter and Harry got into an argument, you'll love this, over a bottle of whiskey.
0: Hey, no, I will kick someone's ass over some of the whiskey that I have, so... There you go.
1: <laughs> Will you really?
0: Oh, hell the, yeah. Other
1: mouse, cause that one quit scrolling on
0: me. Damn right, man. Oh. Don't wanna, I, if, it, if it's my whiskey and I want to drink it, I don't want it all gone.
1: Yeah, I gotcha. So anyways, the argument led to a physical altercation. While the two drunk men were in, in, exchanging blows, Peter picked up a rock and beat Harry in the head with it, crushing his skull and killing him.
0: So I'm just guessing that Peter walked away with the whiskey? Uh, pretty much. Okay, I'm just making sure that he got I'm he thinking,
1: was... unless the bottle got broke, and then that would have pissed me off even more.
0: Yeah, well, hell yeah. <laughs> then I would have had to defile anybody his body. anybody
1: spills my liquor and it wastes it like that, no. <laughs> you
0: know, I had an ex-girlfriend tell me that. Don't fall off the bed. That's called spilling my liquor, and I won't be happy.
1: Oh, my God, you're so dumb. <laughs> so, after Peter, actually, after Peter murdered Harry, he went to his brother for some help. The brother later testified that Peter arrived at his house and asked him for some money so that he could leave town. When the brother asked why he had to leave, Peter just told him that he had been, quote, in a scrape, but didn't offer any more details as to the nature of the incident. So when Harry's family didn't hear from him again, they just assumed that he had taken off and never looked back. In fact, when they didn't have any communication with him for several years, they actually tried to find him themselves by placing advertisements in local newspapers asking him to contact them. So then we have <laughs> Julia, and I don't even know how to pronounce this chick's name. I'm I'm thinking it's Lodzanowski. It's M-L-O-D-Z-I-A-N-O-W-S-K-I.
0: That sounds like something you catch when you're sleeping with women of... Uh Questionable morals. <laughs> I
1: know, right? Anyways, on August 19th, 1928, five year old, I'm just going to call her Julia, was at Lake Hopatong or something like that. I don't know, with her entire class for a picnic when she disappeared. Nobody knew what happened to the little girl until December of that same year. That's when Peter confessed to murdering the Jersey City girl. However, sometime after Peter confessed to the murders, while he was in jail on other murder charges, he granted several interviews with local reporters. And during those interviews, he told some of the reporters that he, quote, had doubts as to whether or not he was actually responsible for her death. Now, people would probably go, how can that be? But we need to take into the fact that Peter was a raging alcoholic
0: and had a TBI.
1: And, yeah, had a TBI, uh, and he was a raging alcoholic, and I can believe that he blacked out a lot. You know, so then on November 17th, 1928, Peter was hanging out in East Village, New York, getting drunk on the corner of First Avenue. At some point, he tried to accost two young boys, but they managed to run away from him sometime in the late afternoon he was quote half drunk when he met seven year old Joseph Storelli at the same location it's not clear why Peter wanted to lure little Joseph away all I was able to find out was that the boy agreed to go along with the older man when he was promised some candy and a trip to the movies instead Peter took the boy to Journal Square in New in Jersey City at on the port on they wrote the Port and. Anth- Authority, I can't even pronounce it right. Port Authority Trans Hudson train line. There we go. Um, Once the two arrived at Journal Square, Peter walked Joseph to the New Jersey Meadowlands around Secaucus. At that point, Joseph didn't want to continue on the journey, so he made an attempt to get away. When this happened, Peter knocked the boy to the ground and struck him a few times. When Peter began to assault Joseph, the young kid started to scream and cry, which I understand. And the older man didn't want the boys' cries to attract any attention from anybody in the area, so he took out a knife and cut his throat. God damn. And then once Joseph was dead, he just took the boys' coat and covered the body and left. Now, sometime around the end of November, and the beginning of December of 1928, Peter had made his way to Detroit, Michigan, and was arrested on public intoxication charges.
0: There's a shocker.
1: Yeah. While he was in jail in the drunk tank, he told one of the officers that he had murdered Joseph Storelli. However, since Peter was quite inebriated, the officer didn't take him seriously. In fact, reports indicate that the officer just laughed off the confession. The (laughs) officer? The Ossifer.
0: The Ossifer. You know, maybe so, maybe uh, Peter's not the only one being drunk.
1: No, I, I'm just tongue-tied today. It's, <laughs> I'm actually kind of tired right now. But when Peter sobered up, the jail officials released him back to the streets. On December 3rd, 1928, Peter got drunk again. Reports indicate that he could barely stand upright when he, quote, staggered up to a police traffic booth. Once he once he got there, he informed the officer who was manning the booth that the police were looking for him. The officer literally asked him if he was wanted for murder, and and Peter replied, "Quote, you'll find out." So, when Peter was taken back to jail, some Detroit detectives were brought in to interview him. They managed to get a bare bones confession of the murder of seven-year-old Joseph Storelli. According to Peter, he could no longer bear the weight of the burden for murdering the boy on his conscience. The guilt motivated him to come forward and confess. He said, quote, I'm willing to pay the penalty and the sooner it's over, the better. I had to confess. It was troubling me. Now, The authorities quickly transported Peter back to Jersey City and charged him with murder. He received a fast and speedy trial because it took place less than 60 days later. During the proceedings, the state called in an expert that offered testimony towards Peter's personality and his state of mind. According to this expert, the defendant had, quote, psychopathic personality. However, the defense had their own experts testifying as well. According to reports, these experts actually analyzed the x-rays of Peter's head that were taken when he had the injury. And they said that the diving accident may very well have had a lasting effect on his state of mind, which could have driven him to commit murder, which I can agree with.
0: Right. That, that goes into what we've said. Exactly. With a lot of killers. Yeah. TBA, traumatic brain injury. Exactly.
1: For people who don't understand it, I mean, it can do major things to you. And it's different for everybody. Right. Well, mo-
0: mostly, for those of you who haven't listened to every episode, uh, like when you're looking at Bobby Joe Long and maybe even Keith Jesperson and, and uh, Peter
1: Sutcliffe and, and, and Sutcliffe and, and tons yeah. of others,
0: when you damage the frontal and or pre- prefrontal cortex of your mm-hmm. brain, that's what's responsible for your impulse control. Right. Um. You're going to you're going to act out because there's nothing there to stop you to go, hey, maybe I shouldn't kill my neighbors. Yeah. You don't have that that
1: thing that stops you that, you know, the self-control. Yeah. Yeah. So on January 17th, 1929, the jury only deliberated for approximately one hour when they returned their verdict. Peter Kudzanowski was guilty of first degree murder. His sentence, his sentencing took place a little over one month later. On February 24th, 1929, during the sentencing phase, the judge asked Peter if he had anything he wanted to say before his sentence was handed down. He chose not to say a word and the judge gave him the death penalty. He was transferred to Trenton State Prison to await his execution. According to some of the reports I read, after Peter received the death penalty, he told reporters he was, quote, ready to die. He said that if he were to ever get his freedom back, he would most likely murder more people. Now, his actions had an effect on his father. Um, Actually, a significant effect on his father's well-being. When Paul Kudzinowski, his father, heard about the murders, he suffered a complete nervous breakdown. That resulted in a rapid decline in his health, and he died on June 23rd, a few months after Peter was sentenced to death. Holy shit. Yeah. Oh, wait. It went the wrong way. (laughs) No, this scroll bar thing on this one mouse scrolls up, but not down. Oh, weird. Yeah, it's kind of bizarre. But um, Peter lost his first appeal on October 14, 1929. After that, his attorneys actually went to New Jersey Governor Morgan Foster Larson and asked to have his sentence commuted from death to life in prison. They argued that their request was on, quote, the grounds of insanity. However, Governor Larson denied the petition on December 17th. Even though Peter didn't seem to be affected by the judge's decision when he was being sentenced, that facade wasn't there when his sentence was carried out. On December 21st, 1929, reports indicate that Peter was unable to repeat the prayers of the priests administering his last rites before he was executed. When prison officials asked him what he wanted to eat for his final meal, he said ice cream. Then, when he was being strapped into the electric chair, the executioner asked if he wanted to make a final statement, and he declined. His execution was actually carried out less than 10 months after he received his sentence.
0: Good. That's that's, that's quick and speedy. Yeah. Get rid of him.
1: Yeah. So, in the aftermath of Peter's murder, Joseph Storelli's family actually moved back to Italy, with the exception of his older brother. Now, five. And Joseph, he's dead. Well, yeah. Five years after Peter was executed, Joseph's brother was arrested after he robbed a high-stakes car game. And he spent a year in prison for that charge. Then in 1936, he was shot and killed by police officers who were conducting a routine inspection. In 1927, this is what I talk about uh Peter was actually the prime suspect in the disappearance of four-year-old Billy Gaffney in New York. However, when Albert Fish was arrested for murdering Grace Bud, he confessed to murdering Billy. And that same year, uh, Peter was also considered a uh, suspect, but not a prime suspect, in the Irving Pickleney's murder okay. in Brooklyn, New York.
0: I have no idea who the fuck that is, but okay. Yeah, Let's me party. neither. But party
1: yeah, on. I mean, could you imagine having the last name Pickleney? P-I-C-K-E-L-N-Y. No. <laughs> yeah, me neither. I would change my name. That's
0: called name change the day <laughs> I turn 18.
1: <laughs> yeah, no doubt go. <laughs> but yeah, so that's everything about Peter.
0: That's everything about your Peter?
1: No, about this Peter. Oh. Not my Peter. I don't have a Peter, dickhead.
0: Down to your knees.
1: <laughs> yeah, wouldn't that be something?
0: Swing <coughs> so more meat than a butcher shop. Yeah. <laughs> I I need a nap. Jesus Christ, I'm tired. All right, boys and girls. Remember to check out our Etsy store. Bastards. There's links in the bio uh, in the description. Yes. Follow it, man. You guys will dig it. Trust me.
1: Yeah. We'll have links to Etsy. Join our new group on Facebook, Citizens of Brutal Nation, where you'll get even more deals. Yeah, that's always right. I'm just so damn tired right now. I know you are. You're over there yawning. That's why I took over.
0: Thank you. (laughs) Remember, you can send us an email at BrutalNation at TwistedBlueLLC.com. Check us out on Medium, Crime Beat on Medium, and wherever you get your blogs. This show's copyrighted 2022. Oh, Jesus Christ. 2023. There's, this show's copyrighted 2023 by Twisted Blue, LLC. All rights reserved. And remember, boys and girls, if you're hearing this on anybody else's show or podcast, they're lying, thieving bastards. We'll see you guys later on. Bye-bye.
1: Bye.